Even if you're happily married, you might find dates kind of awkward sometimes. What do you talk about? I know we struggle at times to have an easy flow of conversation too. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 118, and we're going to be talking about what to talk about on your next date. Last week, we talked about how to show appreciation for your spouse, which is such an important ingredient in creating a healthy marriage. If you missed that, be sure to go back and grab it. And also make sure you hit that subscribe button in your podcast player so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. Now, Verlinda, I don't know what it is about dates, but even when we're quite happily married, it seems like it's hard to know what to talk about on dates sometimes. Yeah, it's like once you have to talk, it becomes harder. I don't know why. Yeah, there's something about that. I think sometimes like we're just distracted or exhausted by the time you get there. Well, that's true too. Yes. But other times I think you're up to date with each other and then you're also not really sure what to go over sometimes too, because like, well, we've, you, you know, already know everything. Yeah. So, and then I think too, when there's, uh, there's times in a marriage when there's some distress going on, there can kind of be an elephant in the room that gets in the way too. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a good place to start because where couples struggle sometimes is they haven't dealt with something that's pretty major. So the date is initiated by one spouse, maybe as a way to try to repair or even extend a peace offering about whatever's going on. And we could go down quite a rabbit trail with this topic, but or this kind of sidebar on this topic. But I think it'd be good just to point out that you want to set up your dates so that you have the same goal or agenda when you go on them. I oh, think that's important. Yeah. And we often don't discuss that explicitly as couples, right? Yeah. So that means if your marriage is distressed and you're both heading in with an open mind that you're doing this as one little step to move towards repair and reconciliation, that's fine. That's great, right? And that should translate into, we're not going in with super high expectations, just going to give our spouse the benefit of the doubt, show some generosity by extending goodwill, and we're going to kind of roll with it. This is just us kind of slowly chipping away at fixing this thing, right? Okay. And this is, you know, on the date kind of context is one time I actually recommend avoiding the elephant in the room. I mean, if... You know, if the elephant is actually too big for you, put that out there before you go and also suggest how you'd like to resolve that. So if you have to solve that problem before you can, you know, enjoy enough goodwill to participate in a date mm-hmm. without feeling like you're fragmenting off a part of yourself, like if you can actually be present, then then go for that. But if you need to deal with this other thing first, set up a time to talk about that separately. Before you go on a date. Yeah, Okay. Or, you know, ask for help from someone in your church that could help you or get some counseling. But on a date itself, I don't think it's the time to sort out a difficult issue. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. You could equate date with, you know, these are all the times that we go out and we argue. (laughs) And then like how popular is the date thing going to be for your marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what you want to try to do is set up your dates to allow a little sweetness to kind of percolate into your marriage. Some warmth, some kindness, uh, both given and received, that kind of thing. So when you're going on a date, then you're in a distressed marriage, you want to try to point the conversation towards topics that help you to build little wee connections with each other. Hmm. And again, you're not trying to knock anything out of the park here. Do you know what? I remember a couple, I mean, they have kids my age, but they were building a house. Yeah. And the kids set up a date because they knew their parents needed out. And the one thing they were not allowed to talk about was the house. The house. <laughs> and I right. think they another couple even took them and drove them around and whatever. Okay. But that's, that's cool. kind of the, I mean, it wasn't a stressed marriage, but it was still an was, There was stress in the marriage, though, because yeah. of that, right? Now, on the other hand, if your marriage is reasonably healthy, but you just need a way to freshen up your dates and your relationship, we're going to point you toward 
some topics here that you can talk about. And I think, Verlinda, what kind of goes on here is we just get hit with life, right? So we get super busy, and because we're always kind of in the whirlwind, we tend to lose track of those little details that are happening in each other's lives, right? Remember how, like, when we were dating, we used to love finding out those tiny little facts about each other? Mm -hmm. That would be fascinating. That would be, like, interesting all by itself, right? Yeah, yeah. And we want to try to steer some of these conversations back in that direction, And so what I'm going to do is kind of give out some conversation areas to talk about, but also point out ways we can take the same old, same old, and then kind of take it up a few notches. Okay. I kind of wonder as a mom, like you go on a date and you don't want to be complaining about the 500 little things that add stress to your day, but that's so forefront in your mind because that is my life right now Yeah, that you almost don't know what else to talk about. Right. So what do you suggest as a way to... Well, I'm looking to you to give some suggestions. Okay. So, I mean, that is one thing where I guess it depends on how much you feel like your husband is ready to jump into that too. Because it's probably not going to be an awesome date for him if he has to listen to you complain about the kids for three hours. And that's his takeaway. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to do that because you want it to be a positive experience. So how do you move it away from the daily grind of life into that positive warmth? Well, part of it could be having some of those conversations before you go, like separately. Mm, Okay. And if you're not getting a time or place to do that, and the date is the only place that you have to connect over those challenges that you're facing on a daily basis, then that probably indicates that, you know, this might be an area you could open something up or you need to try something new so that you do have a place to talk about those things. Okay. 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 Now, we do have a bonus worksheet to go with this episode that you're going to love. I'm very excited about it. There's 10, I'm going to call them slam dunk conversation starters. And I think they're the perfect balance overland between being personal, but not so kind of intimate that if you dive right in, it's going to be all awkward. So I can pretty much guarantee that if you take a couple of these on your next date, you are most definitely going to have more meaningful conversation. And you can get these conversation starters by opening your browser to oif.link slash 118. That's the blog post for this episode. Or you can text the word podcast to 9292spouse. Message and data rates may apply. Once again, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292spouse, or you can find this bonus on our website at oif.link slash 118. I really want to see that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Is it? So I'm going to say, first of all, just kind of for a subject area, talk about relationships and experiences. Now, just generally and looking at research on conversations that people tend towards... Uh, conversation topics that people tend towards. About 55% of conversation times for men and about two-thirds for females are devoted to talking about relationships and experiences. So most people like to talk about these things because these are the most influential kind of forces in our lives, right? In terms of our emotional well-being, like our experiences and our relationships, they shape a lot of, or they impact a lot about what we're feeling like on a day-to-day basis. So this is bigger than just our marriage relationship. Yeah. This is like all our relationships. Yeah. Okay. And then a smaller amount of time in conversation goes to work or school related stuff. And then to sports for some people as a topic of interest and then arrangements for future social activities and then culture and art and politics and religion, right? So these are all kind of subject areas, but the biggest chunk goes off to this relationships and experiences piece. So let me give you a few different ideas about this. First is you definitely want to spend more time asking your spouse about the relationships that you see less of. Does that make sense? Nope. Like if you have relationships that I don't see into very much because it's more just your relationship with that person than a relationship with the marriage. Okay. Yeah. Yep. You want to spend more time asking about that. So how's it going with their boss, with their mother, with their closer friends that maybe you don't hang out with as a couple as much, right? Okay. 
And those things are really important to your spouse. And you want to watch for little hints of emotion there and try to catch those and expand on them and learn more about them. And this is where it's great to think about just being curious. And rather than assuming that you know something, ask about it. And in that, you can also remember to watch, you know, how you add your interpretive layers to what they're saying. Mm-hmm, That's important mm-hmm. too. Because you might find more value instead of thinking about how you see something to just stay with more neutral kind of non-judgmental questions and ask your spouse how they experience their friend or that specific circumstance at work or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So this is kind of opening the window into their world. You know what? This is so true. Okay. Because sometimes like you'll come home from work and say, oh, somebody said something and I will like go off onto a <laughs> tirade and and like how terrible this was and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, well, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like to you, it wasn't that much of a deal. Right. And I totally blew it out of proportion. Yeah. Whereas if I had a stayed, why are you laughing? <laughs> I don't know. That's what you're saying is true though, right? So we, like you need Neutral. to, yeah, just try and, because what happens, you can swamp the topic, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where you want to actually draw your spell. Hijack the conversation. Right. That's what you say all the time. Yeah. You just hijacked my sentence there. <laughs> Shut up. So part of this is not only having the topics to talk about for Linda, but actually stopping and taking the time to unpack them, mm-hmm. right? So okay. it may be that you already have your conversation topics, but you kind of blow through them really fast and you're not making the most of them. That's or one just way hijack to hijack the conversation and then we have to go to the next one. Yeah. Or yeah. In that case, it's kind of the same thing. You're blowing by it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think as guys, I know we tend to just assume certain things and we fill in the blanks on stuff, but I know if I kind of hold back on my own interpretation, but not on my contribution to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And if I try to lean into the curiosity and ask for Linda to share how she sees these things through her eyes, it only helps to extend the conversation, but it helps me to get to know you better. And then from that, I can relate to you better. Right. So you're, you're using this to gain more understanding and more understanding leads to more compassion. I think this is where like empathy comes in because then it's relating to how you are feeling about the topic at hand, not, just blowing over with how I am feeling about the topic. Right. When maybe it doesn't even relate to me. Right. And that, that kind of leads into the second part of this, which is learning to be curious. And you can do this, you know, even in areas of your spouse's life where your interests don't necessarily overlap. So if, you know, if I can kind of be a little bit sarcastic about the mother-in-law thing. <laughs> so you might not be as interested in your spouse's mother as your spouse is interested in her mother, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily a, an equal amount of interest there, right? Or even just general subjects, like if there's hobbies that they do or something like that. Like I know, like for me, I'm an introvert, so I used to get stuck in conversations really easy. If the person brought up an interest about which I knew nothing, then I was like, well, what do I talk about? I don't know anything about that, right? Mm -hmm. But at some point it kind of clicked when I realized that actually not knowing about it could be turned into an advantage because then you have the opportunity to really be curious and ask all sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, to do that, you kind of need yourself, give yourself permission to be okay with not knowing about something. Right. And then just kind of lean into the curiosity, right? Yeah. And this gets the other person excited about one of their interests. And that's a great way to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, a couple, Caleb, that are so good with opening conversation and keeping conversation going. And they just, they ask questions that are like personal questions, but not personally as an intimate or anything, but just what's happening in your life and just draw the person out. They're really good with that. Yeah. And that's a skill that can be developed by anybody, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on this topic of other issues and just sort of looking for areas to talk about, you can also just decide to explore issues that are going on in the world at large 
and try and understand how your spouse thinks about those things, right? So for example, what does your spouse think about the upcoming election in the USA? I'm sure everybody has an opinion, oh, I'm sure. an opinion on that one, right? What about the European migrant crisis? Or what does your spouse think of what you guys heard at church last Sunday? Um, are they reading anything new or interesting in, in the scriptures? Have they learned something from their devotions, right? How is their job really going? Do you know the good and the bad about where your spouse works? Or you could ask your spouse to teach you something, right? Yeah. Um, what is something that they're really good at or they know a lot about that's quite foreign to you? You just haven't got interested in it yet. It doesn't mean you have to jump into their hobby, but you can jump into showing interest in them mm-hmm. with regards to their interests. Well, this is one place where I totally failed you is you got into computer programming and it was like you would come up all excited about this new code or whatever. And I would be like, oh, please. Right. Whereas I could have been a little bit more curious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Could have had more conversation. Yes. Okay. Then let's talk about important issues. That's another area that we can discuss, right? So important issues in your marriage and your life, right? Now, I know I put the caveat out there at the start about not talking about major marriage problems on your dates. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I still think there's a place for important or substantive issues like things that really matter to you. We get a lot of small talk from many of our relationships, but there was a study in 2010 that looked at small talk versus what they called substantive conversation, deeper conversations about important issues. And it it looked at those two kinds of conversation and and compared them to well-being. And the small talk was really banal stuff like, oh, how's your popcorn chicken when you're out for supper or whatever, right? Yeah. And the important issues are like those things where we're exploring relationships. So for example, so your mom backed out of your lunch date, you know, what do you think might be going on for her? right? So some of the the deeper things that are maybe happening in life. And what these researchers found out was that higher well-being was associated with less small talk and more substantive conversations. So it appears that happy people don't just stick with small talk, but they engage in more in-depth conversation. Hmm. And so this is one thing that you want to do as well on your your dates to help enrich the experience is to learn to turn what you're talking about to to deeper layers of meaning or experiencing like what's going on, right? So you're talking about those more meaningful subject matters, right? Now, another thing that you can do to help yourself with your next day is to come prepared with conversation starters. And I don't have a lot to say about this other than to come prepared. It helps if you have something or some things ready to talk about. And our our worksheet for this episode is a great place to get some of those ideas from. And you can get that off our webpage again for this episode at oif.link slash 118. Now, let's talk about questions for Lenny, because you mentioned that before, because mm-hmm. questions are a great way to start, right? And I know for myself, I'm often like, well, what should we talk about in my head? Yes. And it's almost like the... Okay, let's be very real here with our audience. Oh, dear. So, we're driving in the car, and you're like, you know, can you put your book down? Can you put your phone away? Okay, well, if we're going to be, if we're gonna be okay, real, no sh- it's always, can you put your phone away? Well, it used to be my book. Now it's my phone. If I was trying to... <laughs> Years ago. Shh. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I put it away. And then you turn to me and say, what did you want to talk about? Right. That's not a date though. This is, that's a different subject. <laughs> hmm. Well, that is not the question so anyways, to start your conversation. It with. is not. You're right. Right. So that's why we're. So I'm learning from ideas. this episode too. Mm-hmm. It's like the pressure of having to bring a starter kind of leads to some anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Which prevents you from getting into the flow of the conversation. Oh. So. One thing that we can do is is to learn to ask good questions. And it's a great skill for any part of marriage or family, for any other human relationship. And here's some ideas from The Seven Powers of Questions by Dorothy Leeds. The first thing you need to know is that not all questions are equally effective as conversation starters. So, 
So what do you want to talk about? It's probably not a good <laughs> conversation starter. Like the classic is, you know, like everybody knows how well it works when your child comes home from school and you're like, so how did school go today? And they're like, good, good. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, boom. End of conversation. Yeah. So asking your spouse, how was work today? Often doesn't work a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And what happens in these kinds of questions, even though they're open questions and they could lead to like a descriptive answer rather than a yes, no answer, they're too general. So think about how can I get more specific with the question? So what was the best part of your day at work? Or what was the most annoying part of your day at work? Or what was the funniest thing that happened to you today? So And then that'll give you like a more specific answer. Yeah. And then... But it'll give you a little insight and then you can kind of go from there and be more curious. Yeah, we're just kind of, rather than trying to figure out some grand topic, we're just looking for starters here, right? Mm. Kind of open it up. Mm-hmm. And that'll, like you say, it'll lead, you can go to more specific things after that, right? Mm-hmm. And and this works even better if you can kind of track from day to day things that have been happening in your spouse's world. It takes a little bit of presence of mind so you can follow up on stuff, right? So you were hoping to get your proposal finished at work today. Was it hard to get it finished on time? Something like that, right? And then that just shows that you care because you remembered. It's also that. So using questions is a good way as well. Now, once you kind of get the conversation rolling, you're using some of these conversation starters and you're taking that interest, what you want to do is you want to keep those conversations going by staying focused. And I think that this is a key issue in our world today because it is so easy to grab your phone whenever there's a lull in the conversation. It's like Mm -hmm. our phones have become the ultimate awkwardness disruptor. We had university students staying with us. Remember that? Yeah. And whenever like we got... Well, that's more like when the conversation was awkward. Was she awkward. She'd be like, awkward. And she'd pick up her phone and it was a joke. Right. But in some ways there's a lot of reality to it. Yeah. And if you look at the gaps of silence or when we don't have someone to talk to in our lives, what do we do? We grab our phones and it mm-hmm. looks like we're doing something, right? Oh. So the phone takes us away from our discomfort and from our anxiety when there's silence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Next time it goes completely quiet, I thought you could try something quite random like, hey, you have uh, marinara sauce on your forehead, baby. What? (laughs) Just kidding. That was random. That was very random. Yeah, I don't know if random will work, but there was a study in 2014 where researchers, they looked at the relationship between presence of mobile devices and the quality of real life, in-person social interactions. Okay. Okay. Now, I think it's kind of sad that we live in a world where we have to qualify social interactions with the descriptors real life and in-person. But such is life in 2016, I guess. And anyways, they looked at 100 pairs of people discussing either a casual or a meaningful topic together. And then a trained research assistant observed them unobtrusively. That's a scientific way of saying they spied on them. From a distance, (laughs) noting whether either participant placed a mobile device on the table or held it in his or her hand. Now, the results of this study showed that conversations in the absence of cell phones were rated as significantly superior to those in the presence of the mobile device. Wow. And note that this is in the presence of not even talking about using the device. But just having it sitting out. Yeah. And they also noted that people who had conversations in the absence of mobile devices reported higher levels of empathic concern. And empathic concern is that ability to relate to and to connect emotionally with what the other person is sharing. Wow. So there's a lot stronger emotional connection, which means this is a much higher quality of interaction when the phone is not present. Yeah. So putting your phone away shows that you're really interested in the conversation that's happening. It shows you care. And when you show that, you're sending your spouse a signal that gives them a reason to keep talking about what matters to them. Okay. So I think we're actually, you know, even though you might have some great conversation starters, because you're, you're interacting with your phone occasionally at the same time, you're derailing all the sort of good stuff that you're doing. Okay. 
one kind of question here, Caleb, is, you know, when we went out, had young kids at home, mm. I want to, like, what if the babysitter is trying to get a hold of me? Like, I don't want to put yeah. my phone away and have it off and then find out that, you know, my kid's in the ER or something. Yeah. Well, can I give you a two-part answer to that? Okay. One is, if you forgive me for being rude, you might need to take a pill because it's probably going to go okay at home without you. Yeah, probably. And and so you might just need to kind of take a deep breath and not worry as much. And I know that's okay. asking a lot for some people. But the second part is, you know, if that is an issue, try and use your technology to your advantage then. So you can put your phone on do not disturb mode. And I think on most of them, you can set certain people's exceptions so that they always get through or else they get through on the second ring. Okay. It's all very well saying, you know, everything will go fine at home. But my sister had an episode where her daughter was babysitting and a kid did fall. And I can't remember what he broke, but ended up in the ER and she was at the dentist with other kids. It wasn't even a date. And like it was a total gong show because she had her phone off in her purse. Okay. So I think it is valid Yeah. that we want to know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I still need to take a chill pal. Well, nobody died, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I guess you need to have a I responsible mean, how much control, babysitter too. Your phone gives you a sense of control or yeah. whatever happening. But at the end of the day, we all have to trust God. Yes, Like we true. still have to live by faith. Yeah. Because just because you have a phone doesn't mean that you can prevent all of life's circumstances. What did people to do, do like 30 years ago and before that for the last... 10,000 years or 6,000 yeah, or whatever, saying, right? But people use that argument with car seats. Like, well, I was brought up without a car seat, so therefore my kids shouldn't need to wear car seats. Well, yeah, but now that car seats are invented... They're safer when people have accidents, right? Yeah. Sorry, did I just hijack this conversation? I don't know. Completely. So what were you saying about using your technology, Caleb? Well, you can use your phone so that people have exceptions. Like you can set up certain contacts so they still get through when they ring mm, and turn mm-hmm, it off for everybody mm-hmm. else. And that way... You know that you can ignore your phone unless it rings. Right. So if it's an emergency, it will ring. Yeah. But otherwise, like what can happen is you're sitting there and you're picking it up every five minutes. Sorry, I'm just checking to see if everything's okay at home. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And then why are you going on a date? Oh, good point. So once you get those date conversations going, you also have to be intentional about how you're going to keep them going. By asking those questions and being curious and... And not getting distracted by the phone. The phone. That's good. So remember that one of my favorite Bible verses, Ephesians 4 and 29, the second half says that our conversation should be such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So I just think that'd be really cool if we could all go on our next dates with a real concern to give grace to our spouse by being intentional and prepared about our conversations. Hmm. Make sense? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we don't have any reviews to share this week, but we'd love to hear from you on iTunes in the review section there. If you leave a review, it encourages us. We love to hear how the Marriage Podcast for Smart People is making a difference in your lives. And the other thing is that when you leave us a review, it helps to raise the visibility of our podcast on iTunes. That means we're reaching more marriages as well, which is also very important. So if you'd like to get involved in our mission to help save marriages through the podcast, we'd like to ask you to contribute to our crowdfunding campaign. It costs us a lot of money every month to produce this. And we want to reach even more marriages than we are. We can't do that without your help. And for even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. Please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. Once again, that URL or that link is oif.link slash give. And we would love to uh, hear from you there. But next week, Caleb. We're talking about why you can't trust your spouse. What? Not in the sense that we're trying to talk you out of trusting your spouse, but we're going to help you understand how trusting your spouse has become difficult for you. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Now, even at that, though, it's not what you expect. So be prepared to be challenged and informed at the same time. Sounds interesting. So that is all for today's episode. You can read, share, or bookmark this episode by opening your browser to oyf.link slash 118. Thanks for joining us for today's show, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.